Father God, we pray, and we know that this word is already blessed. And we know that the word doesn't come back void, ever. And we thank you for that. Touch us right now, Father, in Jesus' name, to be able to hear this word. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, Jesus said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Now, I'm going to go through this, and it's just something that God's laid on my heart. And it's, it's uh, my writing's small, and most of the time I write big, and, and it's three pages. Now, what was that? Some of you go, okay. But we might eliminate some of it. And the church said, Amen. All right. All right. So in, in Proverbs chapter 5, and I'm going to read down through 10. I mean, Proverbs chapter 3. Thank you, Marie. Marie says, man, I don't need that in my life right now. Isn't that right? Get it right. And starting, <laughs> starting with the fifth verse. Listen to what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths, plural, straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay, does anybody here have a King James, an old King James? You do? Give it here. I like this old King James better. I was going to bring mine, and, and I didn't. But my message is out of the old King James. Okay. Trust in the Lord with all, with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct, direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Listen to what it says. And it shall be health to thy navel. Everybody say navel. And marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses burst out with new wine. How many of you see that? I love that in, in, in the old King James because there's just certain passages there that make this so real. Okay. First of all, the first thing that Solomon is going to say here, he's going to say, number one, trust in the Lord. I say that a lot to people. I say all the time, I say people trust in the Lord. I try to do that. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Listen, you have to trust in the Lord. That's, that's what the word is written for. The word from Genesis through Revelation is written so that we can trust in the Lord with everything in our life. Can the church say amen? So trust in the Lord, he says, with all your heart. Trust. Listen to what trust in the Hebrew means. It means confide in so as to be secure without fear. It's a heart trust. That we must trust God without fear. Listen, if there's an element of fear, then there's no trust. 
So there's now now faith is something that's amazing to me. But when fear comes in, trust, I mean, faith doesn't stay. Fear and faith cannot cohabitate. How many of you understand that? Either you have faith or you don't have faith. Or you might be honest and say, Lord, help me because my faith is lacking. Because that shows that you do have faith when you're able to say to the Lord, help me. My faith is lacking in this. Can you say man? But with but fear and faith will not cohabitate. Now listen to this. Good and evil, right? They cohabitate. But greatness and good can't cohabitate because God didn't call us to be good. He called us to be great. And so what he did was he gave us his Holy Spirit that we might have the authority here on earth over the enemy. Somebody say man in all facets of our life. Because listen what Mary said. She said this to Gabriel. She said when it comes to the Lord, I'm going to paraphrase this. All things are possible. How many of you can believe in your heart that all things are possible? So he says something. Here's what he says. He says, you need to trust in the Lord with all your heart to, to confide in him, to be secure within him without fear or heart trust. Listen to what he says, lean. Everybody say lean. lean. Because see, the Lord is your crutch. How many of you understand? You say, I don't have no crutches. You need a crutch. And the Lord is your crutch. To some people, drugs are a crutch. To some people, alcoholism is a crutch. To some people, immorality is a crutch. There's different crutches, okay? Sometimes we use husbands and wives as crutches, all right? But listen, you only need one crutch, and that crutch is the Lord. And you say, how do you prove that? Here's how I prove that. When Jacob wrestles with the Lord, listen to what Jacob does. Jacob says, if God will do this for me, if God will do that for me, if he will do this for me, then he will be my God. How many of you, God says, that ain't going to work. How many of you know that ain't going to work? If you will do this for me, if you will do that for me, then you will be my God. But at, at, uh, at uh, uh, one point in, in, in Jacob's life, God says, now here's what you need to do, Jacob. You need to stop right now and just go back to a certain place. And you need to go back to a place because you've got ahead of me and ahead of me you cannot do without me. So you got ahead of me so you're in a whole lot of trouble because you're leaning to your own understanding. How many of you understand that? So he says, listen, I want you to go back to this place and you get back to that place. You and I are going to have a talk. And so then he has a dream or he has a vision or something actually happens to Jacob. And what happens with him, there is an angel that he's going to struggle with. And he's going to fight with this angel through the whole night to the early morning. And you know what the angel said? You know what? I got to go. And so what he does, he smotes the hip of, of Jacob. And from that day forward, Jacob never said, if God does. He never said those things, if God will. Listen to what the, what the angel said. What do you want? What do you want? He said, he, he said, what do you want? He said, I want you to bless me. And so the angel blessed him. And he said, now I'm going to take your name away. And I'm going to give you a new name. How many of you know when you got saved, God give you a new name? Praise the name of the Lord. When you give your heart to the Lord, you should have changed from the old into the new. And so he smote him in his hip. And from that day forward, Jacob never walked upright. 
and from that day forward he walked with a limp and from that day forward he leaned on the Lord the Lord was his crutch for the rest of his life listen to what he says he says trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding listen he said do not lean to your understanding your understanding is going to be a problem your understanding is not going to be the wisdom of God. He said, don't lean on who you are. How many of you know you've got yourself in a lot of trouble in a lot of fixes I have because of making wrong decisions? Hmm. You ever tried to con God? Of course, none of you have. But I have. I've tried to con him. How many of you know that doesn't work? Right? Have you ever got mad, mad at God? Yeah. Yeah. You, have you ever treated God like he's your father? You see, when you do some of those things, you're just treating God like he's your father. That's what he wants you to do. And if you'll treat him like your father, then you're going to learn how to trust in him. He says, lean not unto thine own understanding. He said, in all thy ways, listen, in all of thy ways. I look this up and I say, this is pretty good. It, it means in all thy ways, begin Continue and in every work, every purpose in your life have God's plan in it. In every purpose, let there be a continuation of God's plan in your life. That's pretty good. I, I wanted a, a new word for this New Year's. And I said, okay, listen, we need something. We need something here. And what we need is that we need God to be in every facet of our life. We need God to be in every part of our life. We need to lean on him and not to our, un, our own understanding. And in all of our ways, we need to acknowledge who God is. And we need to be able to trust him. Continue in every word every purpose of your life have God's plan in it how many of you by an uplifted hand say I want God's perfect will amen I want God's perfect will sometimes I don't allow God's perfect will to be in my life and and you know but he doesn't throw me away he gives me permission on some things and then sometimes he says don't do it and I do it anyway remember that little cartoon if I do, I get in trouble, I do it anyway. <laughs> Remember that little bird that said that? Yeah, I do it anyway. That's the, way, that's the way we are. But, you know, truly deep down inside, we want God's perfect plan in our life. And he's going to now give us the sequence of how we can have God's perfect plan in our, our life. Okay. He says, in all thy way. Here, here's the ruin of man. Let me tell you what the ruin of man is. The ruin of man is self-sufficiency and self-confidence. The ruin of man, and that's the fall of man, and that's called pride. And what it is is self-sufficiency and self-confidence in oneself. And we've tried that through the whole thing and we're losing. Man's sin is to live independently without God. Don't want no place with God. So we took the prayer out of schools and we thought that was okay and nobody stood up for that. And now what we have is we have abortion, the slaughter of children. We have homosexuality everywhere. How many of you saw that thing? Nancy was showing me this thing the other day that the Methodist church now has the gay flag running parallel with the Methodist church flag. How many of you saw that? So, whoa, what a travesty. 
What a travesty. And people are caving in all the time. Why? Because of our self-sufficiency and our self-will, and we think we can get this done. Man's sin is to live independently without God. No prayer in school. When we started no prayer in school, then abortion came along. Homosexuality come along. But before that stuff all started to happen was we came, when Darwin brings in evolution, and we're going, you know what? That's okay. And so we start to let that in the church. We started to allow that to come into our school. And when we started to do that, all of these different things came apart because, because we legalized some things that we shouldn't have legalized. And when we said this evolution, when, when we said evolution is the correct thing and the correct response and let's not fight it, we took away the book of Genesis. And when we took a book, <clears throat> away the book of Genesis, listen, we took away the book of Exodus. And you can just go down the line because Genesis plays into Exodus. Exodus plays in, in Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy. And I'll have to go through that. And then one plays right into the other. And one goes right into the other. So if you take the foundation of the word of God away, guess what you don't have? You don't have anything but the understanding of man. And the understanding of man is void of God. Somebody say amen to that. And that's why Paul says in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, know this, realize this. He said, terrible, perilous days have come upon you. And why does he say they have come upon us? Because we have allowed things to infiltrate our church. We have allowed humanism and secularism to infiltrate our church. Listen to me. When you go to church, you want to go to get saved. Isn't that right? If you don't have a sinner. I mean, if you have a sinner, you want them saved. Somebody say amen to that. We're not a Methodist church. We can say amen. Okay, so here we go. So when we go to church and, and we bring a sinner, we want them to get saved. How about if you have somebody sick, you want them to get healed? If you have somebody that has an addiction, you want them to be delivered. Listen to me. The church is the hospital for those who are in need and understand something. The doctor is God, and he's the great physician, and he takes care of all things. But when we allow these things to come into our, our church or into our society, then we eliminate God. Listen, we said, in all thy ways, he said, acknowledge him, acknowledge God. Acknowledge what? God is supreme ruler. He's creator of everything. In Colossians 1, 15 through 18, listen to what it says. It says he's the, that Christ is the image of the invisible God. By him all things are created. All, by him all things hold together. By him he has been made preeminence. That's Colossians chapter 1. In, in John chapter 1, verse uh, 1 through 4, uh, it, it teaches us that Christ is the word, that, that he was in the beginning with God, that he is God, and that he is the creator of all things. In verse 14, it shows us that the word, Jesus Christ, became manifested in the form of man, and he is the glory of God. This is what we need to acknowledge. It says, acknowledge him as God's supreme ruler and creator. Somebody say amen. Listen, if that be the case, there's nothing in your life right now that is too great for God to take care of. Amen. When you came to church this morning, if you came with need, you don't have to leave with it. Amen. But you might leave with it. You don't have to leave with it, but you might leave with it because listen what it takes. It takes faith and trust in God to get it done. And you say you have an amen, and I appreciate the amens, and I want you to say those. But at the end of this message, we're going to see how much faith that we really have in God. Is he really the creator? Is he the one that's really going to be able to take care of, take care of us? When a disease comes into your body, can you still trust God? 
Can you still trust God when there's no wealth? Can you still trust God when you've done everything that you've known to do? And God, you say, God, I'm trusting you. And it seems like this thing is falling completely apart. Do you keep your trust in God? Because when it fell apart for Job, and Job is, is, is crying out to the Lord because Job is not a guilty man. How many of you understand that? And instead of God saying to Job, instead of him saying, you know what, Job, you got this problem, you got that problem, such, he just says something simple to Job. He said, where were you when I created this stuff? And all he was saying to Job was, look, I'm the creator. I can take care of anything that comes your way. How many of you know that God still lives today? And that God in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, he said, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. How many of you understand that? And so if he could, he still can. If he would, he still will. And if he did, he still does. Somebody say amen to that. That's who he is. I'm glad Tom's here this morning. Because when I first met Tom, let me tell you something. Tom didn't have a lot of faith. He had faith to be saved. I'm just going to shoot from the hip right here. He had faith to be saved, some faith in some things. But as God continued to work in his life, he's more Pentecostal than me. He really is. He, when, I, when I look at him, and you know, we get to praying. And I'm saying, this is what God wants. He wants us to mature and he wants us to grow. He wants us to trust him with all things. Somebody say amen to that. There is not anything that you can't trust God with. So he says, acknowledge him in all the things that you do. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I like this. And he. Everybody say, and he. And he, God, shall direct your paths. That's a plural word. He's not going to just direct your path. When, when, we, we, when we say, you know, God will direct my path. I understand that you're saying God's going to direct you to Zion. I understand that, okay? But it says he's going to direct your paths. Because we have many paths. There's many missions out there for us to do. There's many ministries out there for us to do. There's many, many things that God has for us to do. And when we was born, we were born with destiny. How many of you understand we were born with destiny? I'm not talking about the physical birth. I'm talking about being born again. When we were born again in Jesus Christ, understand something, we became people of destiny. Praise the name of the Lord that God has these paths marked out for us. And Jeremiah said, remember what he said? He said, go back to the old paths wherein is the good way. I, I never, I, no, I can't understand it. Don't get mad at me, please. Please don't, don't, don't get offended when I say this. Is this on Facebook? Then I ain't going to say it. <laughs> but but I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't understand how you can come and God do all these things and then back up. I don't understand how we can back up. It seems to me like we'd want to go forward. And it seems like to me if we're people of destiny and God says that he's going to make these paths for us that's going to be uh, rich paths for us, then wouldn't we want to know what they are? And isn't it a wonderful thing that for us who are getting older, we still have destiny? Right? You know what? I believe this in this church. I do believe this. Did you ever notice our people don't get old? Who said that? I'm with them. No, I'm serious. Nobody in this church ever thinks old. 
Did you ever notice that? And, and everybody in this church has vision. And, and that's what we need. Listen to me. Your brain, God give you, has destiny. Amen. But that brain, that mind needs to be given over to the Lord for the destiny God still has in our life. Now, sometimes they change as we get a little older. You know, I'm, I, I actually believe that my generation now needs to be praying for the youth, that generation that, that, that God will take care of them. And he, God, shall direct your paths. That's plural. He's going to direct you in numerous ways in your mission. In your in in your ministries in 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 your singing whatever God wants you to do Second Timothy two fifteen write it down He says He says that a good student of God rightly divides the word of truth How many of you understand that He said a good student of God rightly divides the word of truth and all that means is is that you read this word and you start to break it down to get the truth of God Well, if that be the case, then what we're reading this morning is a truth that's going to change our lives. Somebody say Amen. How many of you, even though you're born again and you're really serving God and you're trusting him, still want your lives changed? I want my life changed. Paul said, I attain unto, and he said, I forget those things that are behind me. Somebody say amen to that. Listen, let me tell you what Paul did. Paul burned bridges. I knew a guy one time that got saved. He's passed on to be with the Lord. And, and when he was, he was a sinful man. Yeah, this guy was terrible. And, and, uh, when, when, and he got saved, but when he would talk to his children, he would talk to them about how bad he was, but he took joy in telling them how bad he was. And I used to say to him, I said, man, don't do that. If you're going to talk about your past behavior, don't talk about it. That, that, that entices people to want to be that way, you know? And, and so, you know, his kids aren't saved and they have no desire to be saved because they wanted to be like he was. He, he, he acted like there was joy in sin. How many of you know, there's no joy in sin. There's no joy in that at all. God has it set up so that we might rightly divide the word of truth so that we might mature into we are sons and so that we might be instant in season and out of season and ready when God wants us to be ready. The hardest thing for us to do is be obedient. Say amen to that. That's hard. It's, it, it, it's a hard thing to teach. Now, now, listen to what the Lord says. So in verse 6, I'm going to continue that. That uh, he says this. He's, let, me, let me go back to it to get it right. He says, uh, uh, and he shall direct your paths. Right? Here, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 3, verses 25 and 26. And I'm going to paraphrase these. Jesus said, a house, a kingdom, a city, a family divided against itself shall fall. Actually, he said, shall be laid to waste. And that word waste means manure. It shall be laid into a dung pile like manure. He says to be divided. So he, so Solomon is writing these scriptures so that we not be a divided people. So that we'll trust God and we'll, we'll lean on him and we'll forget our understanding that's human and go over to the spirit and allow the spirit to, to lead us in these paths of righteousness. Here's what David said. He said, thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He said, your word is a light unto my path so that I might be able to see. Listen to what David says. He says, you know, the word of God tastes like honey in the rock. 
David also says, you know what? He said, I was in the miry clay. I was in a horrible pit, and yet you set me on solid rock, Christ Jesus. Listen to me. He understood what we, were, what we are like as human beings, but he says God can lift us up above that. How many of you understand? God can lift us up above. I, I like this when Paul looks at the Corinthians, and he says, you act like mere men. He said, you act like mere men. Guess what he's saying? You're not a mere person. You're somebody that's filled with the Spirit of God, and because you're filled with the Spirit of God, he says this, he says, you can live above all the sin that's in this world, and you can be a powerhouse for the Lord. How many of you want to be a powerhouse for the Lord? Listen, you can't stay in this church and not want to be a powerhouse for the Lord. It'll, you'll either stay or you'll leave. You know what I like about this church? You, you can't live together in this church. We, we don't even say nothing about living together, okay? But it's just something, you, you go, if you're living together, you're going to get married. That's just the way it is. Holy matrimony, kingdom principle, right? Oh, I'm, I'm on metal. It, it, it's hard to be in this church and agree with homosexuality. Yeah. And if you do, you better keep it to yourself. That thing still needs to stay in the closet. Somebody say amen to that. Because, because why? Because we don't want to lean to our own understanding. We want God to wreck us in all the paths or the missions or, or the destiny he has set for us so that we might mature into we are sons and that we might be able to give him the glory. Is this okay? Because I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on without you or with you. But, but, but Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3, 25 and 26, he said this. He said, your house is divided. He said, it'll not stand. He said, if your church is divided, it won't stand. He said, if you are divided, you won't stand. James says the double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. He said he's like the wind. He, he said he's like the ocean. The wind just blows it wherever he wants it, wants it to go, and that's where it's got to go because he has no uh, jurisdiction over it whatsoever. Jesus said a house, a kingdom, divided against itself cannot stand. He said it's laid to waste. It needs to be buried because it's dead. In verse 7, listen to what he says. He said, do not be wise in your own eyes. In Proverbs, in Romans chapter 11, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 11, verse 25, I do not want you brothers to be uninformed, listen to what he says, of this mystery, so you will not be wise in your own estimation. You can start making your own wisdom and it's going to give you trouble when it's not correct with the word of God. Hello? Listen to me, a Muslim's not going to go to heaven. A Hindu is not going to go to heaven. A Baptist is not going to go to heaven. A Pentecostal's not going to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven if you are born again. Somebody say amen. Because listen to me, there are only two classes of people. And the two classes of people are those who are saved and those who are unsaved. How many of you understand that? And if a Muslim gets saved, he's not a Muslim no more. I like this one. I hope you agree with me. You were once an alcoholic, but you're not anymore because you got saved. That guy died. Somebody say, man, and there was a new man that was resurrected. 
Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Somebody say amen to that. He's the resurrection. I was a sinner, but now I'm a saint. Come on, now you're going to throw tomatoes at me. I was a sinner, but I'm not a sinner no more. I, I, I was a sinner. I was saved by grace, and I'm not a sinner no more. I'm not an alcoholic no more. I'm not a junkie no more. I'm not an immoral person anymore. I'm not an amoral person anymore. Listen to who I am. I'm saved and I'm born again and I'm doing the best I can to trust in God. Somebody say amen. I trust in him and him alone. Praise the name of the Lord. What do I trust him for? Everything. I trust him for everything. And that's called faith. You can't read Genesis chapter 1 if you don't have faith. You can't read Revelation chapter 22 if you don't have faith. You can't read that word and not have faith because if you read that word and you don't have faith, you're just reading. But if you read that word and you have faith, it'll take care of every single thing in your life. It says, be not wise in thine own eyes. In, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 16, do not be haughty in your mind. Do not have pride in your heart and in your mind. You start thinking that you're better than somebody else, you've all, you're a divided person. Listen, when you think that God can save but he can't heal, you're a divided person. When you think that God can save but he can't heal or deliver, you're divided. And it says everything divided comes to an end. How many of you understand that Jesus even said of the devil, you can, he can't even, if Beelzebub casts out demons by Beelzebub, he is divided. He can't even stand. Jesus said a kingdom, a city, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Divide yourself and separate your, yourself from the word and say, I'll believe this part, but I don't believe this part. See how far you get with God. Your church might be growing. Churches might be growing. Different things might be growing. But let me tell you something. You leave the power of God out of this thing and you don't have nothing but just a gathering of people. Right. I'm telling you right now. I, and and I'm, I'm not saying this just because Tom and Sam are here, because I said all the time, I brag on that Tuesday night Bible study. And the reason why I brag on that is because we go verse by verse by verse. And then people, we have watched those people just totally change. We have seen people saved. And I, am I, huh? We've seen people saved. We've seen people give up addictions. Why? Just because of the word itself. And then all of a sudden they say, but when we started to study the book of Acts, and it took three years and three months to get through that. That's a long time. Yeah. Would you have that much patience? Probably. I'll put you on the spot then. You're on Facebook. That's right. Okay. <laughs> One man come to me, Fred Lewis come to me, and here's what he said. He said, that was the best book of my life. He said, it changed everything about me. What is that? That God still baptizes with the Holy Ghost, and all of a sudden the power of God can come through a person and totally change who they are. When you lay hands on the sick and you anoint them with oil, don't you want God to heal them? Yes. Why do that if you don't believe that? He said, why do you want to be divided? Now pay attention here because we're coming to, we're, we're half, halfway through. I was saying we're coming to an end, but we're, we're halfway through. Listen, let me, let me show you what brings division. How many, how, many, how many of you know a grumbling spirit 
brings division. Grumbling. I cannot, I hate being around grumblers. Because grumbling spirits cannot be contented. Nothing's ever right. Do you find it difficult to be around people who live in crisis? You know, of all the flaws that my dad had, me and my, me and my brother was talking the other day. And I said, you know what, though, about him? And Lonnie said, what's that? I said, I never saw him in crisis. I said to Lonnie, I said, do you ever see our dad in crisis? He said, no. I said, do you ever see him worry? And he said, no. Now, maybe that's why I don't. I don't know. But I'm thinking it's the power of God. Listen, God's greater than any crisis in your life. God's greater than any anxiety, any worry in your life. Let me tell you something. God's a healer, but that grumbling spirit will stop you from being healed. How many of you understand that? Grumblers. We used to sing that song in grade school. Oh, grumbler is dead and lay under the ground. Oh, that's not very spiritual. I'll get off of it. I'm sorry. But old grumbler needs to die and be buried. Somebody say amen to that. Because what he does, it, when, when a grumbler is leaning to his understanding and not being satisfied. Say amen to that. Now I'm going to give you three grumbling spirits and I'm going to go through them real quick to write them down. The first grumbling spirit we see is the spirit of Korah. The second grumbling spirit that we see is the spirit of Absalom. And the third grumbling spirit that we see is the spirit of Jezebel. And they all come against authority. All of those things come against authority. When you start to grumble, you're coming against the authority of God. Okay, I didn't get no amen on that. When you start to grumble, you're coming against God's authority. <laughs> That's better. When you start to come against authority, when you start to, the, 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 the spirit of Korah was the spirit of intimidation. Korah tried to intimidate Moses. The spirit of Absalom is manipulation. Ab Absalom tried to manipulate David. The spirit of Jezebel is the spirit of domination. And all three of these things add up to witchcraft. How much witchcraft do we have in our churches? How much witchcraft do we have in our homes? How much witchcraft do we have? Say, we don't have any. Think about it. I'm not talking about the occult that we're, we're serving the devil, but I'm talking about things that we allow to come into our presence that's not of God because of a grumbling spirit. Because when we have that grumbling spirit, we do not lean on God, nor acknowledge Him, nor trust Him. We have gone exactly the opposite way. How many of you want your faith increased? Praise God. Read the Word. Read the word and live by it. I'm getting there. Proverbs 24, 21 tells us to fear the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3, 14 says this. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it nor nothing to take away from it. The word of God. He said, he's saying in Ecclesiastes, you can't add, you can't take it away because it's complete. How many of you know the word of God is complete through from Genesis through Revelation? It's a complete word. You got a problem? Go to the word. You got a problem? Start praying. Amen. You want to be filled with the Holy, Holy Spirit so he can pray through you? Ask God. He'll do that for you. Somebody say amen. You want God to, to take your part? Then go to God. Trust him. He'll take your part. When you're sick, go to God. He'll heal you. Does he heal everybody? I think he does. 
And now, Pastor, I know that he heals some and not some. Pastor told me that one time. He said, I know that God heals this one, but ne doesn't necessarily heal that one. I said, well, I don't believe that. And he said, well, I do. And I said, then you believe that God will save this one, but not necessarily that one. No, he said, I don't believe that. He said, I believe that all men have the right to come to God and God, God, uh, God will save anybody that asks him. And I said, but you don't believe that God will heal anyone, every, everybody that asks him. He said, I don't believe that. He said, and I said, well, then you don't believe God saves everybody when they ask him. And he said, well, why not? And I said, because the same faith that it takes to save you is the same faith that it takes to heal you. It's the same faith that it takes to deliver you. It's the same faith that resurrects you from the dead into a new man. Somebody say amen to that. Listen, only insurance back there have life insurance policies and health benefits and car benefits. But they don't, they don't have one insurance policy. They got all kinds of insurance policy. You can have a health insurance policy and a cancer. How come they aren't all together? That's what I want to know he's my insurance man I'm nailing him right now but salvation's not that way salvation says once you got the insurance policy of salvation you got it all somebody say man so does God heal absolutely he heals does God deliver yes he does he hasn't stopped Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever that's who he is and that's why your faith grows. And so these spirits are grumbling spirits and they want to divide that. They want to take the fear of the Lord away and they want to place the fear on themselves. But the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, uh, chapter five and verse seven, for in many, for in many dreams and many, I need a light on that. For in many dreams and many words, there is emptiness. Okay. So this is what he's saying. For in many dreams and in many words, there is emptiness, so fear God. Because there is no emptiness in God. So in, 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 in uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, and in conclusion, I'm not in conclusion. I'm saying what the Bible says. And so it says, in conclusion, Solomon's saying, in conclusion, fear God. Keep his commandments. He said this applies to every person. Depart from evil. He said depart from evil. Avoid it. He said to young men. He said flee. Flee from evil. Shun it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Abstain from every form of evil. That's what he's saying. And then in verse, verse 8. This is why I wanted the King James. In verse 8, it says, and it shall be health, health to thy navel. And it shall be health to thy navel, by which a child receives life and nourishment from the mother in the womb is through the navel. And we still have that navel to remind us what God does for us. God gave us life through being born again. And he brought us through the womb. Somebody say amen of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us life. He is the navel. Listen, he is the navel for life. He is the one that brought us through. He is marrow to thy bones. And marrow to thy bones. Barn bones need moisture and nourishment. And that's what marrow does. If it wasn't for that, they would come, become brittle. And they would break. Even as older people, we have more easier chance to break. But imagine how our bones don't break, even as older people. That's an amazing thing. Jesus said, listen, he said, I'm, I'm the navel and I'm the marrow of the bone. 
He said, I'll nourish you. He said, I'll feed you. He said, and your bones will always stay strong. He said, you'll be able to come in and you'll be able to go out because I'm the strength of your life. That's what the Lord says. He says, trust God in everything with your substance. Verse 9 and 10, I'm going to put them together. And now I am coming to a conclusion. In verse 9 and 10, pay attention to this. He says, honor the Lord with thy substance. It's a kingdom principle. With the first fruit of all thine increase. And then all of a sudden I start understanding something. Here's what I come up with, Doris. I said, I looked at that and I said this. If you don't give to the Lord the first fruit of your, inco of your income, your wealth, your increase, all the rest of it is void. You void it right out. Malachi chapter three, will a man rob God? And then all of a sudden you say, you're quoting to me Old Testament. I am going to quote to you Old Testament because it didn't go out the door. We're not talking about the law here. We're talking about if you want to be successful, if you want to, ha if you want to have wealth, everybody wants to have wealth. Don't tell me you don't want to have wealth because I guarantee you this. I know, I know, I know. So don't shake your head. No, I'll be looking at a liar. Everybody in this room thinks about if I had this. If I had this and I am a daydreamer. I was going to conclude it. And I'm a daydreamer and I need to be a daydreamer. Because the Bible teaches me to be a daydreamer. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 teaches me to be a daydreamer. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that's at work in us. That's daydreaming. You want that in your life? He says, then he says, give the Lord the first fruit of your increase. Oh, pastor, I can do a lot. Well, then fine. It's still God's word. Then you're putting it back on money. No, I'm putting it on God's word. He wants the first of everything that you do. Listen to what he says. He said, honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruit of all thine increase. And this is where we'll end it. So shall thy barns, that's plural. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and they shall burst out with new wine. New wine is the Holy Spirit. And so here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you will give everything and trust God, lean not to your own understanding, but take this verbatim as it is written. He said, you will be blessed spiritually and you will be blessed materially. If that's what you want in your life, then this is the word that'll take you there. Stand with us this morning. Honor the Lord. With thy substance, with the first fruit of thine increase. And I never saw that because I know this. There should be, I'm going to put it this way. There should be no born again Christian in poverty. 
I didn't say, I didn't say poor. I said in poverty. Now, there's some that's going to have a lot and some that's not going to have as much. But poverty is right here. Right here. Faith will get you out of that. Faith will take you a long, long way.